You are listening to At Home, the podcast with Walkie MC. Each week, our team at Wakarusa Missionary Church invites you to join us for a conversation around the topics that shape our lives at home and beyond. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Uh, that we recorded our last time. Yes. Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah. Misquoted and then, yes. So it's good no. to be back. Yeah. Isn't it? On discipleship. Nice, you know, I know that we work we work together, so I have seen you guys, but it sure is nice to sit <laughs> behind the microphone and have a, a conversation with y'all. Yeah, it I is. I thought about it just the other day. You said this is your favorite time of week, and I'm... It is. I'm like, so we're missing out. So we're now we're, re, we're, we're re-interjecting one of the best parts of our week Yes, right here. So hey, welcome everybody to At Home, the podcast with Walkie MC. Guys, as we've just been discussing, we're back. We're back at the... at the Well, we're back not in our normal location. We're in Chris... The, the cozy confines of Chris's office today, because our podcast studio is is it's um in under not, construction. It's under construction. It's not back. It's not back. It's um we're we got some work to do on it up there, but we're excited about where that's going. But hey, friends, thanks for joining us. We are off again uh, discussing uh, sermon series that Pastor Chris is in right now as we launch into uh, the month of September. A new school year. A new school year. It feels like really it's our big on ramp to everything that's going on. Kind of the flywheel gets going. And then once it's going, there's no stopping it. And uh, we, before we know it, we're at Christmas. The hamster so. wheel. If yeah. you've been listening to our po- podcast in the past. Yeah, you get that. that <laughs> the wheel is a turning. <laughs> that does go back a ways. Doesn't yeah, it, though? Right. It's a throwback. Um, yeah. So, guys, thanks so much for joining us. We're glad that each and every one of you are with us. Again, you can, uh, just so you know, plan on weekly releases of uh, this podcast. We're also working diligently uh, and by diligently, I mean we've looked into it and we think we know how we're going to do it, uh, of uh, our, our weekly sermons also going out uh, in the podcast feed. So not only do you get to hear us talk about the sermons, but you'll actually get to hear the actual sermons, make the whole thing available. Yeah, in your car, while you're taking a walk. All the places. All the, all the different places you'd listen to a podcast. So many times I wish I had Chris Knight in my ears more. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Said one person ever. Uh-huh. That would be okay. They ate Joel apparently because uh, well, they pay night. me because they pay me to faith night. and faith night. <laughs> Thank mom, you. Yeah. And you. Chris's Bless mom. You. They pay me to say it. Chris, we have just launched into a new series. Uh, we is greater than me, or we greater. How how have you voiced this? Because all we have in front of us is the capital we W E capital we. And then the greater sign, which I had to go back to the math days for a second. Yeah, and as I've proven uh, earlier this summer, I am not uh, <laughs> totally skilled in my mathematics. Uh, Jim Mattern, my third grade teacher and also the treasurer here at our church, taught me that <laughs> the alligator eats the larger number. That's brilliant. Yeah. Yes. So we, greater than sign. We are greater me. than me. Yep. We than greater than me. Yep. Okay. So here's the deal. Uh, guys, as we're getting ready for the September series, I, I'm really passionate about team. I love team. With given the opportunity to work alone or work in a team, I would much rather work in a team every day. Now, there's things that you have to do alone, and I get that. But when it comes to church and ministry, I feel like the church in America today needs to grasp the concept of we sticking together, really working alongside each other to accomplish a greater good than just a bunch of me's out there trying to accomplish the task or the mission of the, of the church. And so this is a ramp-up series. This is a series that just simply 
Bailey says, it's a call to action. It's reminding us that as followers of Jesus, we all are on mission, have a mission. The question is, I guess, are we actually on it? And so that's where this series is going to go. And uh, that means we is definitely greater than just a bunch of me's. So that's where it is today, uh, team. And so I kicked off this first week in the series about looking at the teams that we have in our world. I used gymnastics. Uh, and you got a little so disappointed. And she was a little salty that about you it. She chose the wrong Olympic sport. And you would have preferred swimming. Uh, but we went gymnastics. And Chris, I just want to I want to validate that. I want to say it's okay. Can't Thank make you. everybody happy. Thank you. I'm learning that very, very clearly. Uh, and so what we did is we actually, during the service, I just had five guys stand and simply said, this is your new Olympic team. And, <laughs> you know, you get some chuckles around the room when you see some of the guys standing. And uh, I just painted a picture. Can you imagine what it would be like? with us wearing those tight outfits with built-in abs, you know, ab pads to make you look like you have abs, uh, walking into an arena uh, amongst all the other athletes, we would definitely stand out. People would look at us and think, <laughs> that's funny. Okay, no, seriously, what are you doing? And I alluded back to the fact that this is what it was like when Jesus chose his first disciples. You know, that band, ragtag band of people walking around, ministering in temples, ministering in communities, ministering wherever they were, had to draw a similar conclusion uh, to, that others would look at them and say, what? This is, this is your following? This is your disciples? Because uh, a group of people who were following a rabbi looked much different than what this ragtag group of people. I mean, think about some of the characters. What do you think of when you see the characters that he chose? Well, Matthew, he was hated amongst everyone. He was a tax collector. Nobody really wanted to even see him because they knew something was happening. Who wants to write their, you know, tax check? And then the and then the fishermen are they're not seen as the uh, social elite or whatever they're working for their working for their dad and uh, you know in the family biz and it's uh, just kind of making making ends meet if they can but uh, definitely not a place of prominence within the culture. Yeah, you know you had smelly fishermen, right? I mean, in some ways, that's probably the best way to say it. these guys just coming in off. You have the to be boat. careful. Denny might be yeah, offended I, by that. He might be. <laughs> We're going to roll the dice that he's not listening. <laughs> but the whole a word that you used was misfit. Somebody who's kind of not part of the crowd that would be thought of um, as a big following of Jesus. This um, person who has slowly gotten a big name among people. He was kind of like talked about. But then he calls these guys who probably were on the outskirts of his yeah. ministry. I don't think people took him seriously. Yeah. I'm glad that Jesus chose misfits because it gives me hope. Uh, I said in the message, I, I think it's nice because it seems as though he set the bar low, low enough that I can feel like perhaps I could be a part of this group. Yeah, because I'm, I'm a guy who makes mistakes. I mean, I'm 49 years old. I still make mistakes. Um, I'm growing. I'm learning. I look at this group of people and I think diverse, um, diverse backgrounds, diverse education, diverse nationality in, in many ways, and in, 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 in cultures, maybe that's a better way to say it. diverse culturally. Uh, I, that just gives me hope. If it, was a, if it was the elite of the day, then I would think I would struggle to figure out where do I fit on this team because I don't measure up to that. Right. And Peter, he offended people. He was um, bold. He was outspoken. Um, maybe somebody that people thought were, was brash. Um, why would you have somebody be a leader that was like that? Nobody's going to follow him. Mm -hmm. 
And then we've got that, uh, what, the Sons of Thunder that they're later <laughs> called, you know, James and John. Like, something something about them, too, was was a little uh, peculiar. And, uh, you know, they they looked, uh, well, and we see it. All There's all these different interactions. When the disciples are interacting either formally or just being observed by the religious, the, the, the religious elite people of the day, um, it just there's a big disconnect routinely. Have you guys either? I, I'm going to go out and I'm going to take a risk uh, here. But have you guys ever been in a situation where perhaps you platformed somebody, you put somebody up there, and you're like, "Jesus, just please <laughs> help them not say anything bad, Lord, please Chris, help them not Chris, say anything." Bad. Am I that person? Uh, no, well, no, <laughs> okay. no. Um, That's what my as a former <laughs> as a former youth pastor, when you're trying when you're trying to give a kid an opportunity. To grow in leadership, yeah, and you put them and you mm-hmm. put them up there, and you think you've 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 gone over their notes, you've helped them prepare, but at the end of the day, it's like when you set them free, you oh, can't you can't them. tackle them up on stage. You we, know, we had a we had a situation in one of the churches we were in that uh, a gentleman, a, a new believer, found himself with a microphone, and he said, "You know, I just feel like God's God's calling me to to just say this to this crowd." And it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> and he said, here's what I feel like Jesus is is just telling us today. We got to get off our ass. Oh. And I'm like, oh, can we say that? And then the, the other pastor who was with me, he said, um, <clears throat> that is in the King James Version. <laughs> so, <laughs> but but what you have here is a new believer. And and and, and I just, when I, anyway, when, when I equate this to, I feel like the Sons of Thunder I mean, in a lot of ways, Jesus is taking this group of people who you're not quite sure how they're going to act, respond. It's just not their innate behavior to, to respond in the way that the church would see that response coming about. And Perhaps some like, I don't know, you get the sense of a little bit of crudeness, like a little bit of crudeness and a little bit of unrefinedness. I mean, I know, I, I know what kind of things are said uh, amongst the men out on the boat. Uh, when none of the, I don't know, when none of the ladies are around or when the, or when the people, you know, we, we tend to, um, freeze these guys in history. Uh, cause the, like the paintings and the murals that you'll see of the apostles or whatever, it's these wise men flowing robes, or whatever. Well, that was, that's sort of a depiction. Number one, historically, maybe not super accurate, but that's a depiction of them as older men. Once, once the scriptures are being in to be written and everything like that, but we've got, young guys here when they're initially when they're initially called and i i just look at i just think about our young our young people and and how mm-hmm. uh, yeah like a little a little rough around the edges sometimes not not fully formed they've got more life to live there's there's all those sort of things and those are the people that jesus by the power of the holy spirit entrusted to carry on the faith and we are sitting here today because, because of, of that. Mm-hmm. So so I'm grateful that yeah. he went the route that he did. But to your point, man, super unlikely. Uh, yeah. that and was- I think this is just what bears reminder to, to all of us who are listening. Because sometimes I think if you sat in church for a long period of time, you get this feeling like everybody should act mature. And, and that's not the way Jesus approached this. He was discipling them along on the journey. He didn't say be discipled and now you are useful. He discipled them on this journey. Uh, it was really interesting. So he chooses this misfit group of people and then he says, I'm going to build my church. I'm going to build my church. 
okay? What did he start to do? He started to teach them how to pray. He taught them how to worship. And, you know, here's a, here's a delineation I think the American church needs to grasp hold of, is when he taught them to worship, it wasn't like, okay, these are the instruments you use, this is the volume level, no smoke machines, no bright lights. It, it, worship was a totally different concept than what we've made it about today. And this was the worshiping of, of God and for what he did, it's putting our focus, our attention, our our devotion back on him. And it's a reminder that this is critical for us. So he taught them how to pray, how to worship, how to lead by serving others, how to live by faith, how to touch untouchable people, and really how to become a people of unshakable hope. And that's what that's what he was doing as he was taking a misfit crowd and building this church with them. Right. And I think sometimes we get kind of in a, in a way we look into the disciples, like we look on the disciples as this kind of, oh, it's a great uh, crowd of people that God used, God um, called. And yet they themselves were with Jesus, walked with him, talked with him. He taught them. And yet even then we see their lack of faith, lack of hope, lack of those things. And so even in our nature, we have that too, but God still uses those people he still use them. He can still use us. And I think that that just needs to sink really deep that God already knows that we need his grace. He's going to give it to us and he's going to give us new mercies, not just, you know, today, but he's going to give it to us tomorrow too. The hope is always, and I, as a, as a pastor, and I know some of you probably listening, um, if you've brought if you've brought someone in, someone you care about, you're trying to you're trying to have them. You know, you're hoping that they're going to have an encounter with Jesus and they're going to come come to faith. Whatever you bring them to church, or you bring them to a group of your of your Christian friends or whatever. Um, I've been in the situation before. I don't know about you guys, but I've been in the situation before where I'm uneasy, even uneasy in that scenario. Like, I think it's a hard question to ask. Like, would I? would I bring someone who I deeply care about and I, who I want to encounter Christ and put their trust in him? Would I bring them to my church? Do, do, do I think that this place is the place that I can trust that relationship with? I think it's a good, just a good, a good check for, for all of us. It's like, are we being the kind of disciples that Jesus was forming who are all coming together saying, um, we are all, we're, we're all messed up. We all got our shortcomings, but we get here, we come here, we gather together in this fellowship of people to celebrate the fact that a bunch of messed up people can be radically transformed and radically and radically changed, which is counter to think the message that sometimes goes out where it's like, oh, look at all these religious people that are all parading around here together thinking they've got everything together. I, that's not the reason I show up to this faith community. I show up to this faith community as a way of publicly proclaiming that we don't have it all together. Like this is us outing each other every, every week in one way or the other saying we need this because without it, we are, we are lost and we are without a rudder. And, um, so I, I just wish that message, I wish that message was more clear uh, to people and that we communicated that even more clearly of it is, it is so not a we got our act together here. In fact, uh, by the sheer act of us gathering together, it's like uh, 
it's like us putting up a big banner uh, to the contrary. How many times have you heard somebody say something to the effect of, if I ever walk into that church, uh, you know, lightning will strike or the church will collapse or something like that? That's the image that we got. Look back at these guys. Can you imagine what they probably felt the same thing, right? Uh, initially, like... Uh, Those synagogues were going were gonna, to were gonna be lit on fire. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. I think Samson modeled what it's probably going to look like if I walk in. This thing's going to crumble. Right, but he called them. He did. He called the church. He built the church. And then you said on Sunday he died for the church. He rose again, was resurrected, and then he commissioned yeah. the church. Yeah. So he took him a bunch of misfits, and he invested in them for three and a half years. And then he died for his church. He did ministry for three and a half years, impacted a lot of people. But it's concentric circles, as I, as I like to envision it. Jesus had an inner circle. He had the 12. He had the 72. He had larger groups. He had a Jewish people a population, but then it goes out to the Gentiles. That's us. I'm grateful for that. It's grace. But it's, it's something then I think we have to look at is if this happened 2,000 and some years ago, and then the disciples in Acts become apostles, and now they're taking this mission forward and extending it throughout the region, and then generations get played out. We're sitting here generations later, and the ball is in our hand. And I don't know that the American church fully grasps that that if we are just one more band of the concentric circle and the ball is in our hand, what are we doing with it? My fear is what happens for the circles that continue to get added in generations behind us if we don't choose to take this mission seriously. Yeah, they say that um, a reality is a generation and a half is all it takes to lose the concept of a biblical truth. A generation well, and a half—that's not very much. And we see that we see that with Israel, with the with the story of, um, with the story of God's people, it's it does not take long for mission for sort of a theological mission creep or idolatry or whatever else to, um, yeah, just to just to sink in and, to and, derail and the a people who saw God acting mm-hmm. and said we will we will follow you we will worship you or whatever to that exact point. A generation later, um, I, I was reminded I was having the conversation this past weekend about Second uh, Kings twenty two, the story of King Josiah, like faithfulness, and then you just it's like a, it's a list of um, here uh, you know great grandpa and grandma, and they did what was evil in the eyes of the Lord, grandpa and grandma, and they did what was evil, mom and dad, and they did what was evil in the eyes of the Lord, and then Josiah comes along in some sort of mar- you know, kind of a really miraculous story as a as a bright spot of as a reformer and bringing people back to God. But you're like, my goodness, how did it go? How did it go awry so quickly? And it's uh, it's because I think we can just assume, hey, I I grew up in you know, we culturally assume that sort of this a Christian culture or a Christian heritage from our parents or grandparents, whatever it is, will just sort of ease us along in this ongoing religious experience. And it's like, no, each and every generation is called to recommit themselves to a radical discipleship and, and following of Jesus. And unless we get, because Chris, what I hear you saying is, is they're just, they're, we're, we're never hurried about this, but we are urgent 
about it. And I, I don't, cause it's, I don't want to gloss over and just say, yeah, let's just go make disciples and whatever. I want to talk about the nitty gritty of that, but we, the people, people are lost and they, and they need to, they need to hear, they need to hear from Jesus. Absolutely agree. Uh, to, to refine that even just a little further, I think that the issue is that the American church today has lost sight of what the actual mission is all about. Uh, I think we've complicated it. We've made it uh, about politics. We've made it about other types a of production. forms of production. Yeah, that definitely, that's a good way to mm-hmm. say it. Uh, we made it a, a consumerism uh, as opposed to what Christ called us to sacrifice. Mm-hmm. I think, too, that with that, when we say a generation and a half, this is what we, Chris and I can sit here and say, okay, our parents would mm-hmm. be the uh, generation before us. We're the Gen X, the, you know, our parents were ahead of us. Our children that have grown up and are in that Gen Z generation, or whether you might have even younger than that, those are the ones at risk of not knowing Christ. That's how close it is. And I I just want, I just don't think sometimes we think, oh, well, it's my kid. My kids are okay. And and here is my concern. All right. So I say it a lot and I'll say it publicly here again. It is Gen Z. It is Gen Alpha. We'll get into this in in weeks to come. Mm -hmm. But, but my concern is we have to do ministry that targets those generations Mm -hmm. because it's becoming a lost generation. That's looking several generations ahead and saying, I don't want to look like that. So this is the this is the struggle I think a lot of pastors have in churches that have multiple generations in them is how do you appease both sides? How do you continue to feed one generation while you go two generations down the line and try to figure out how to even meet their need? Uh, and this is where I think we have to sacrifice. So here's the deal. I want to I want to I want to boil down this episode with just reminding us what this mission is all about. I mean, we've complicated it. God called us to meet people where where they're at to evangelism. To, uh, we can use that word, but I just simply say this, meet them where they're at. Uh, don't expect that they are going to act like Christians. Go into the world and meet people where they're at, but teach them about the truths of who Jesus is. Train them how to have an impact in our world for Christ. Send them out to meet people where they're at. And on Sunday, I, I think I got the emphasis across because I just kept repeating it. Why? Because that's all we're supposed to do. Just meet people where they are, teach them about Jesus, train them to have an impact, send them out to meet people where they're at. And for some reason, we've really made this very complicated, and I think it's way more complicated than Jesus ever intended it. And I know, pastorally speaking, sometimes I think you know our concern is is that um, like some of the so much of this Christianity piece has become uh, the on the discipleship end has become professionalized, where it's like. Okay, my like the idea is that my job as a believer is to bring my my unsaved friend or whoever it is to the religious country club with the hopes that the prof- the quote unquote professionals will rub off on them or whatever, and you know, and that's my act of evangelism. And I, from everything I see from the early disciples and the early church, whatever, that would be a very like you could not be farther from how they were living and acting in the world, and um, and you. It was life on life. It was relational discipleship. It was multiplicational discipleship, and they they just they had a word to share. They had a, they had a gospel truth to share, and it was their entire life. Like they it it was just there was nothing more important that they could be talking about with people. Um, which I think is man is a conviction for me. It's like what is the most important? Like when I when I talk with people, 
what do, what do I what do I talk about? What's the most important thing well, on my on my mind? I even think we forget that some of them had jobs, and they worked while they spread God's word. Oh, that's a concept. <laughs> yeah, they did work. They did physical tent making. The yeah. things that they did while they lived life, they shared God's word, the gospel to the people around them. That's the meat. That's the teach. That's the um, train, and then send them out to do the same thing. So, Chris. A wise leader. When it comes to, uh, you should see Chris's face when I say things like this. Uh, we think it's funny. Um, when it comes to us here in this community and and what we just want to be about, because I, this is, I think, and I, I, man, I wish everybody could feel uh, the sense of, I think, of really, of in terms of our team, sense of clarity and unity that we have around this, like that our heart really does beat 110% for this together what what do we want to be about what do we want to be as as our community and i think what i think we could say without overstretching what we would hope that more faith communities would be about because the things that we're talking about here we just want to say are are fundamental we believe are fundamental to jesus following to disciple making but here at walk emc like what what do you what what are our hopes collectively to be the kind of community that would be known as as what i wish that the christian community in general, not just walking MC, would zoom out the microscope. We get caught up in so much of the minutia of the day and reactionary to the news of the day that I wish we could zoom out and see the bigger picture of what Jesus is trying to do and what he's actually called us to. And that's where this concept of we being greater than me. So you can't have just a bunch of me's running around trying to change the world. In, in order to make an impact in our community, our faith community, our local community, our region, our, our, our country, and our, and our world, it's going to require people being on mission together, willing to sacrifice opinion, uh, willing to sacrifice preference in some ways to be able to say, I'm going to do these four things well. I'm going to meet people where they are. I'm going to love them. I'm going to love them like Jesus loved them. And, and Jesus loved lovable people and unlovable people. I'm going to love them like Jesus loved them. I'm going to train them about who Jesus is. I'm going to teach them. I want them to know. Uh, I want them to know. I want them to come to a personal relationship with Jesus Christ because it will change your life. I want to train them then how to help others find that. And I do. I simply want to send them out and help them meet people where they are. You see, we've created a culture, and, and we're guilty of it as well, where we say, if I come on Sunday morning, this must be mean I've put in my time as a follower of Jesus. That's not what this is about. This is an opportunity for us on Sunday mornings to grow together, mature together, uh, to own our stuff together where we go, hey, we didn't do that so well. Um, it's an opportunity for us to really uh, encourage, pray for one another as we go out on this mission, on this journey, as we follow Jesus. I think you've said this a lot, Chris. There's a God part, mm-hmm. a my, a me part, and a their part, and it's that's even a team in that. That you aren't, when you say you're going out and you're meeting and you're training, there's these parts that are even within that, a team of working together to, to raise up disciples. And so uh, we all have to, you know, hold on to that idea that God's going to continue to work. He's going to work in those um, hearts and lives of those people you're meeting. And, um, and he's going to help you. He's going to give strength to that person as well as yourself. And so those three parts, I think, are really important to remember because you're not doing it all. God's got a part. The person's got a part. And you've got a part. Let's do our part. We, and we get to. 
Like I, that's like we get, and I've been guilty of this too. It really is a mindset thing too. We are so blessed that God has invited us into this that because there are, I think we can all probably point back to various times in our, our personal lives, lives of ministry where we, we have gotten a front row seat to see a life transformed. To see to see someone miraculously uh, turned into a into a different kind of person, be a new creation would be the biblical language, and um, I would just say, friends, man, once you, once you get a taste of that, I it there ain't no going back. Like th- that that becomes the new. I think the new goal and the new standard is to see people people change, and as people are changing, and we witness that. Wow, we we're we're. Uh, an extra shot of joy is put into our life. The joy of the Lord is really is really known in a in a new and refreshing way. I think so. I it's it's a win 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 uh, really across across the board. And but it, it will take it'll take us stepping out. It'll take some sacrifices. It'll take us probably holding our tongue uh, a few times uh, and and checking ourselves before uh, we make responses. So, um, guys, any final any final thoughts? Any final words of encouragement as we? Uh, wrap up this man this first episode which i gotta say we we got back on the horse here guys and i really feel like we were primed we were ready we had things that we wanted we just wanted to tackle and we went after it so uh any any final thoughts from either one of you i'm glad i'm part of a team amen because i think oftentimes we think we um can go out and i guess impact the world change the world but a team helps you forms you and helps you see those weaknesses those strengths and makes you better and so i'm just really thankful for our team here but i'm also thankful that god put us on mission together and that part you can't reproduce very easily and i don't think a lot of people know that um and so our team when joel says we are on mission we do understand that and that is a really special thing so i just i want to point that out I'd like to wrap up this episode with a real spiritually refined statement. Let's stop dorking around and just start doing it. <laughs> get get after it, y'all. Quit, quit. You know what? Chris has some really meaningful leadership uh, signs and sayings around that, his Joel, office. That we are uh, setting under just, it. Just uh, we just need. Let's the next one will be uh, just quit dorking around. <laughs> Real, real, real profound. Oh, friends. Hey, thanks for joining us uh, this time as we are starting back up with the podcast. And again, every uh, week we're going to be launching. Keep an eye on uh, Walking MC. Our social media feeds will let you know when new episodes are dropping and uh, how you can respond, connect with us, all that good stuff. So until next time, friends, we wish you grace and peace. At Home, the podcast is produced by Wakarusa Missionary Church in Wakarusa, Indiana. If you've enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating and share this episode. Additional resources related to each episode can be found by visiting walkiemc.org. That's W-A-K-Y-M-C.org. From there, you can click on the At Home tab for more information. Thanks for listening.